Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're entitling this program, Christians Who Put Israel Before Jesus Should Put Jesus First. But uh, many of these followers who put Israel first would deny it vehemently. And I had a recent incident that uh, kind of demonstrates this. I was invited to a church by a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and this was while the, the, actually after the start of the Israeli invasion of Gaza, and uh, quite a few people was in, well, over 100, I think, at that point, and it's now, as we speak, over 1,200 people that have been killed. A very high percentage of those are are uh, civilians, and a significant number, over 200 and some, are children that have been killed. And we've talked about this in other podcasts. But I, I went to this church. I knew I knew the pastor because we'd heard him before. He actually was a was a professional that did this as a volunteer. He started this church. I won't go into the details. And I listened to his sermon, and I thought it was very good. It was technically very good. But I came away from the service kind of confused, if you will, because at the start he prayed for the the sons and daughters who were in the military. So in essence he prayed for the troops, and then he prayed for some missionaries, but he didn't pray for any peace or uh, consolation for the families that have been killed because of this invasion there. And then what also made my ears perk up, if you will, is a conversation I had with one of the parishioners before the service started. And I'll call the person I1J2. That stands for Israel First, Israel One, Jesus Two. And uh, I actually gave I1J2 my card and suggested that they look at my website, and I gave a brief description of of uh, what we did. Well, I got a reply back from I1J2 and said, I agree wholeheartedly with Dennis Prager's assessment below. Also, I respect Joel Rosenberg's opinion both having nothing to do with the biased media we are bombarded with. I lived in Israel for nine months, volunteered at such and such, and, and am apprised of, on a weekly basis about what is happening by people, the pastor from the congregation where I worship. There is nothing more to discuss, and since you and I have differing opinions on the Middle East, I would rather not discuss the matter when I'm at church wanting to worship. And respectfully, I1J2. And so I I wrote back, I1J2, thanks for your reply. I believe our meeting was not by chance, but by divine providence. Our different human experiences seem to have mounted an insurmountable barrier to further communication. I am grieved that you consider that we are on the opposite sides of the Israel-Palestine issue. I want peace and justice in Israel for all the inhabitants of Israel, not only for my Christian and Muslim Palestinian friends, but also for all Jews and atheists too. 
God is not a racist. It would be futile for me to reply to the Prager University site you referenced. I don't even know if Dennis Prager is a Christian. I do know, however, that he does speak at John Hagee's Christians United for Israel events. And I'll stop and talk here just parenthetically. We've discussed John Hagee's events, Christians United for Israel, on many, many of our podcasts, and you can look those up. We also discuss the appearance of Dennis Prager, who is a talk show host, conservative talk show host, and uh, he is a he's he's a Jew, I believe. And anyway, he's the guy that came up with the notion that anti-Zionism is equivalent to anti-Semitism. So then I continue with my letter. Let us go forward under the banner of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I looked at your church's website and noted that uh, there were two ministries. One is a ministry called Ligonier, which is R.C. Sproul's, and the other one is Grace to You, which is John MacArthur. Now, recall, if you've listened to any of our podcasts or read any of our materials over the years, John MacArthur was the pastor that President George Bush called on to pray for the war that he started in the Gulf War, in 2003, in Iraq. We Hold These Truths has held, I think at least, is that right, four uh, vigils at uh, at MacArthur's church in Southern California, Chuck? I believe there have been four. There have been three or four that I can remember. I know I, w- I was at three myself. Okay, well, I was at two of them, so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we had three or maybe four. Anyway, so I, I just kind of noted that, and the other thing about this R.C. Sproul is that he signed a very significant document. It came from Knox Theological Seminary, and it's entitled An Open Letter to Evangelicals and Other Interested Parties, The People of God, the Land of Israel, and the Impartiality of the Gospel. And so I, I want to turn this over to Chuck just to have him discuss the significance of this document that was signed by by uh, this R.C. Sproul, who is a prominent theologian, and uh, I think it was about a hundred other uh, theologians. Chuck, uh, before I do that, Tom, I'd like to have you finish your letter so that your listeners can understand what you said to this woman, because the object of this is to help them to understand what they do when they encounter these situations with their Christian Zionist friends and. Let me uh, then continue with the letter. My wife and I greatly appreciate and find great value in the logic of R.C. Sproul's teaching. I can only assume that your pastor must have some kind of respect and agreement with R.C. Sproul's theology. I would prayerfully ask that you study and pray about a significant document signed by R.C. Sproul, and that's the one we just talked about, uh, about Israel, and it's the impartiality of, of the gospel. The curious thing about the title of this document, including the impartiality of God, is that one of the key points of your pastor's sermon last Sunday was about the impartiality of God. Another divine coincidence, perhaps? The verses that uh, your pastor quoted continue to rattle around my brain, and these are the ones that we've discussed a number of times going back to Galatians 3, Galatians 3, verses 26 to 29. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ 
have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to the promise. And so uh, I haven't heard back from her and probably won't hear back from her. But my next step will be to, to write to the pastor to try to get some feeling. Because what we have here is we've got theory that sounds really good, but the turning away from what Jesus taught us, blessed are the peacemakers, is some of the inconsistencies that I see in the evangelical churches. And so this is what was interesting to me. I don't know if I can draw any conclusions there, but there is an unwillingness among uh, many Christian Zionists to even discuss the issue. Their mind is made up, and it's very curious. And to me, what this signifies is that religion is a powerful grip and many in Christianity, including myself, feel that Christianity is a relationship with our Creator through Jesus Christ. And so there's differences of opinion, and it's amazing how uh, people can shut out any kind of discourse. And that's why we've been looking in some of these podcasts to talk about the humanity side of what's being done to the Palestinians, and uh, to put a face on these killings of innocent children. It seems I would, to me that if the numbers were reversed, perhaps this pastor would have been praying for peace. If there had been uh, a thousand Israeli Jews that had been killed versus a handful of Palestinians, there would I would imagine, be a big cry from the evangelical churches. But because the numbers are reversed, there's only been two civilians in Israel that have been killed as a result of the homemade rockets from Gaza versus, at this point, twelve over 1,200 with thousands of injuries, and over 180,000 refugees. This, again, ladies and gentlemen, is a giant prison. It's fenced in. There's no place for them to go. So it's it's going into a, a crisis situation here, and we've got the church, basically, many of the churches, basically twiddling their thumbs, ignoring the humanity of the situation. Tom, I've got an observation. It's interesting that this woman uh, based her knowledge of the situation in Israel-Palestine on having lived there. I think she said you said she'd lived there at least for a little while. Right. And she'd missioned there. And this shows the incredible vacuum that there is between truth and reality uh, of people who actually have taken tours to Israel. There are there are thousands of people who have who have hundreds of thousands perhaps, who have actually traveled to Israel, gone on tours there, and they come away more ignorant even than they, than they were when they came. Israel has a tremendous ability not only to control visitors and show them only what they want them to see, and, uh, and, and that means that most visitors never even see the 180-mile, I think 180-mile wall which separates Palestinian people from uh, Israelis and their villages. 
visitors don't see that. And this woman is quite capable of living in Israel for uh, quite a long time and, and be completely brainwashed as to not only what the Palestinians next door experience, but also certainly what goes on in Gaza. So it's not unusual for people to be deceived. I had uh, a friend recently uh, tell me that, uh, that, she, uh, that she has a friend who had lived in one of these towns where uh, a rocket had fallen and uh, injured somebody. Uh, and it's one of the few injuries, as you pointed out. And uh, she was totally committed to the idea that the Palestinians were the aggressor because she had as a friend who does indeed live in that city and the person knew about this incident where someone had been injured in a filling station by uh, one of these rockets. So it's, it's really hard to grasp the control that the state of Israel has over not only guests and tourists, but also over their own citizens uh, who live there. Now, you mentioned that R.C. Sproul had signed a petition, and that petition was very much favorable to the, to the idea that the land of Palestine belongs to uh, the rightful owners and that it wasn't granted to the state of Israel in perpetuity 3,000 years ago. This came from uh, Knox Theological Seminary. This is a Presbyterian seminary in Coral Gables, Florida. It was founded by D. James Kennedy in 1989. It's not a big seminary, but in this seminary, the essence of the statement that they made is this. At the heart of the political commitment in question, and uh, this is the question over Israel and Palestine, are two fatally flawed propositions. First, some are teaching that God's alleged favor toward Israel today, that's the present-day state of Israel, is based upon ethnic descent rather than upon the grace of Christ alone as proclaimed in the Gospels. Secondly, others are teaching that the Bible promises concerning the land of Israel, I'd add the land of Israel he's referring to, are fulfilled in special political regions or holy land perpetually set apart by God for one ethnic group alone. And then the Knox Theological Seminary goes on to state that this is unchristian and it's contrary to fundamental Christian beliefs. They go on to say, as a result of these false claims, large segments of the evangelical community, our fellow citizens and our governments, are being misled with regard to the Bible's teachings regarding the people of God and the land of Israel and the impartiality of the gospel. They then go on and list 20 or 25 uh, New Testament scriptures that basically point out that Jesus is a peacemaker. They quote the same uh, section in Galatians that Tom quoted in his letter to this woman, and they make the very strong case that the land was not granted in a perpetual land grant by God to the Israelis. This, of course, is what Israel claims as the reason why they have the right to force Palestinians off the land and take the land themselves. So this statement from the Presbyterian Church is especially interesting to us because we wrote a paper not very long ago when the Presbyterian Church USA, which is a little different a section of the Presbyterian Church that Knox Seminary is associated with. But the Presbyterian Church USA came up with a study plan for an eight-week study on the issue of the Palestine, the land, 
and the Bible. And uh, this uh, was very, very fairly done, and it has resulted in the Presbyterian Church USA being vigorously attacked, not only by the state of Israel, but uh, by others who are friendly toward the state of Israel. And uh, they, they simply are attacking the Presbyterian Church USA for even considering the question of, of who really has a right to the land and what are the facts that are going on in the so-called Holy Land. Chuck, there's a similarity here between the Presbyterian Zionism Unsettled, as you mentioned, the attacks. Well, in, in looking for this Knox document, I cannot find it on the, the Knox Seminary site. There's, it's not to be found. It's available out there a couple different places. But when you do a little Google search, most of what you find are very vicious attacks against the document, which is not surprising. And so it, it's kind of the same kind of orchestrated attack that probably led them to withdraw this document. But as I said, it's still floating around, and it has some truth. It's, it has a lot of Bible verses as references that anybody would well, be interested in seeing. We'll, we'll go ahead and post it on our site so people can read it, because... It has a lengthy list of biblical statements that one can use to talk to uh, people like Tom was addressing in this. And this is really what our objective is, is to be able to deal with people on an everyday basis. Uh, and uh, Tom, with your permission, I'll carry on and talk about uh, this little experience I had with Kelly. Yes, go ahead. Do you have other comments uh, on this uh, previous subject before we go on to that? Well, I, I might only add that, you know, that one of the keys, I, I would never get any more further with this woman because she's closed her mind. The only hope that we could possibly have if the minister, the pastor, is somehow influenced by what he sees, if his conscience is twinged so that he can bring out some of these things and put the technical and marry that with the, the application. So, Many of our friends, like the Catholics, are, are great at works and have a compassion for a lot of these kinds of social issues and problems. And there are supporters of We Hold the Truth that are atheists. And so they can be very sympathetic to the, to the Palestinian cause. So it's very disturbing to me to see this, the, the inconsistency of what Jesus taught us and the infighting, if you will, uh, in Christianity that causes uh, people to harden their hearts to what is going on vis-a-vis the Israeli occupation and traumatization of the Palestinian people now for well over 60 years. Knox Seminary certainly did disclose these two errors, and we'll post it on our website and again, these errors generally was the idea that uh, there's a chosen people who are superior to all the other people, and uh, secondly, that they were given a piece of land, and therefore they have a right to brutalize anybody who else is living on that land who they don't want to be there. This is what the Knox basically challenged. No wonder there was pressure put on them, and there probably was a lot of pressure to, to uh, disavow this, this statement, and we don't know that's what happened, but... We'll publish that statement on our website so you can read it because it does have a very good list and it is extremely well taken. Tom, I think you've uncovered a task for yourself by your own hand. Uh, you have here uh, a woman who's been deceived and you have the pastor 
who has uh, is, is, bifo- has, is wearing bifocals. He's got a good guy and a bad guy on his website. It seems to me that you, uh, you've laid out an assignment for yourself. Your next job is simply to go and meet with him yeah. and ask him who he believes. Uh, does he believe uh, John MacArthur, who says Israel has a right to all the land and, uh, and is uh, God's chosen people? Or does he, uh, does he believe the document that uh, R.C. Sproul signed, which he uh, acknowledged on his site, that says that there is no such thing and that all men are created equal, put it into a non-biblical language, and uh, the only chosen people are those who choose to follow Christ. You've laid out a tough job for yourself there, Tom. Good luck. Well, I'm, well, I, I'm formulating a letter, and uh, I'm hoping that this pastor works for free, so he shouldn't worry about getting fired. Right, he shouldn't worry and about so, getting fired. He ought to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, so he should talk to me. I, you know, he's a busy guy, no question about it. But, you know, that's what we have to do. I also, had, just as an aside here, I, I actually gave my card to a couple pastors at our church last week and told them what I did. So I guess part of it is to be a little bit bold. And so my little card has the, on the back, it has uh, information about our award-winning film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and Turning. So I asked these people, let me know what you think of this. And so that's all you can do is to plant seeds, and we don't know where these seeds will go, but if we can't change the individuals in a church, then maybe we should be trying to work on these pastors. And a lot of those, that's very difficult, as we found from over the 100 of these vigils, is that it's almost impossible to dialogue with these people. Okay, Tom, let me, uh, let me open this other subject here with Pastor William Bell, who's on with us. I had an experience that's not too much different from yours. I met someone, it was at a meeting, it was uh, another meeting of a very activist woman named Kelly, who happens to be a member of the Presbyterian Church USA, one of them in, in Denver, Colorado, She's a pro-Palestinian. She's very much for the Palestinian on, on a secular basis. And, and she happened to tell me that uh, her pastor, she's close to her own pastor, and that she's found out that not only her pastor, but other pastors who are members of the PCUSA, which came out with this very excellent study program on the Palestinian life there and accurately portrays the situation there, in our opinion. Uh, it's called Zionism Unsettled. And it's uh, a first among major denominations to be published. Something like this actually be set into an eight-week study period uh, informally within the church. And so Kelly told me that the pastors in the Denver churches are being approached aggressively by the rabbis uh, in the Jewish churches in Denver, Colorado, obviously organized, and uh, they're being approached to... uh, write a letter which essentially denounces the actions of the PCUSA in studying the Palestinian problem. And uh, we don't know exactly what's in the letter. I suppose it depends on what the pastor is willing to sign. But you can bet that it's going to contain language that acknowledges that the Presbyterian Church loves Jewish people. And it will also, of course, hold to the rights of Israeli Jews to the land uh, of Palestine. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to refute the actions of the General Senate of the Presbyterian Church USA 
in which they have considered the study to be acceptable in churches. And so I wrote Kelly a letter the next day that I thought might be appropriate to give to a pastor of the church and suggest that he respond. But uh, since we have a pastor present, we'll ask uh, Pastor William Bell to uh, tell us what he would say if he was approached by a rabbi in, in his city and they said, we'd like to have you write us a letter saying that the Jewish people are loved by your denomination and that they have a right to the land that they uh, occupy and live on in Palestine. What, what would be your response, Pastor Bell? Well, I'd say a couple of things, and thank you, Chuck, for uh, the uh, question. First, I, I would say that Jesus taught in Matthew five forty-three through 48 that you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. So it seems that Jesus was teaching people to love all, even if they were considered uh, their enemies, and not to love one person above another. As a matter of fact, he spoke to, uh, through Peter, rather, at the time that he addressed the Gentiles uh, who were non-Israelites and uh, spoke to them uh, with sharing the gospel. He said, of a truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And so I could not, in good faith, sign a letter just as you've stated, stating that I love the Jewish people, that they are blessed of Abraham with the land of Palestine, because as a follower of Jesus, I am taught that we have to love all men as brothers, that all men are equal in the eyes of God, and that uh, we couldn't declare to the Jews or to anyone that they are chosen above another group of human beings on the earth. Because to do so would be demeaning, uh, and, and therefore to look at the Palestinians or Philistines, as they might be called, um, as less than others would be a violation of the gospel of Christ. It would be a repudiation of what Jesus died for, and um, to declare them as our enemies um, or as enemies you know, even of God, who, and, and particularly of Christ, who died that all should have life through him if they would believe. And so to put down one group over the other would be uh, just totally out of step with what the Scripture says. Paul, who had once been a Pharisee, who had once treated people with uh, contempt and a lack of the equality deserving of all human beings, said it this way. He said, in Galatians three twenty six through 29, which we've heard, you're all sons of God by faith in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if 
you belong to Christ. Then are you Abraham's seed and heirs or have a right to all that God has promised man. So uh, with that point of view, there is just no way that a person who considers themselves a conscientious Christian, believes in Christ, upholds the word of God, could then turn around and repudiate everything Jesus died for, which was to break down the middle wall of partition between us and make us one in peace in Christ. Wow, thank you. Well, thanks, everybody, for their input. I think that was a a very thought-provoking podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small think big, and press on towards the straight gate.